When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to episode six of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my good pal, Nick Martin. Uh, just a reminder, you can always find all of our stuff at youtube.com slash all Steelers or wherever you get your podcast. Um, today, we're going to just go through a couple of players that we've been watching some film on, give our thoughts on those guys, and then get into a little bit of bowl action, which starts up this week. It's uh, had a little bit of an off week last week without any games. So nice to get back kind of in the swing of things. But without further ado, how we doing, brother? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good aside from game on Sunday, but hey, that's why we're about to talk about the draft. We gotta <laughs> look ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see the the Steelers definitely. That was a rough rough loss to take, especially I always think that the worst lay, way to lose in football is just getting punked out, especially at the line of scrimmage and out physical. And that was very clearly the case um, on Sunday against the Ravens. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. You know, the Steelers are projected right now is to have top or three top fifty picks, probably going to end up being like some three in the top forty five ish range. So. You really like to see that. That's going to draw a lot of interest come draft time, which I'm really excited about. But um, all right, let's get into it. Well, who you want to talk about first? Uh, who you've been watching lately? Uh, so that that performance on Sunday really made me want to go look at the defensive line group, especially. What was it? The 215 yards rushing they allowed? Yeah, something like something crazy like that. Anyway, uh, we're looking out their backyard and Kalijah Cansey for Pitt and that guy is a that guy is explosive off the line. He wins quick with his hands. A lot of swims, spins. Like he has great hand usage in terms of his pass rush plan, knowing how to use it. And a bunch of times he gets doubled consistently in in pass rush. A lot what is surprising to me was how much power this that he had um usually with shorter guys i i usually like um short defensive linemen because they get that natural leverage from their from their height you don't have to worry as much about their pad level as a result and Kansi he can really convert speed to power and just push a guy right back into you and um when i when i watch um i'm giving a little bit of uh some thoughts on my process and stuff like that when it comes to film watching when i get a few games in uh when watching prospects uh i I tend to look for comparables off the top of my head and then i kind of go to mockdraftable.com the 
site where you can get pretty much every single like measurable on guys who have tested in the past on the combine and they got the spider webs and i looked at there are two guys that i had in my head it was ed oliver and it was sheldon rankins and he kind of wins more like rankins where he has that where he wins with a lot of finesse but he's got a little bit of that more that explosiveness of uh all oliver that i like that i like to see so i think I think can see very much if he comes out, he's going to be like early day two at the, at the very least you'll see guys with him, uh, with guys shorter than him. They'll typically have a shorter wingspan. And as a result, you might have some more missed tackles. He, um, he definitely, in the games I noticed whenever he was holding up at the point of attack and trying to anchor and trying to anchor, he would, he would get he would hold the line of scrimmage pretty well the problem is he would try and he would try and use the other arm to try and trip up the uh, guy uh like the runner and he would and and a lot of times he just wouldn't be able to get that full arm extension and be able to bring him down which is what you see more with like your cam haywards your stefan too it's because they got that they got that massive wingspan so it'll definitely be something to watch with Kalaja Kansi, but really impressive player really explosive guy that would definitely he might not be a pure scheme fit but he's a guy that you want to work into your scheme you want to work around him because of the type of player that he is and i think that's the type of guy that they need to get on their defensive line because good lord (laughs) they got molly walked yeah it is it was an ugly ugly performance against the ravens without a doubt yeah can't see to me he's not a guy that i've gotten the chance to study just yet but just watching Pitt live a lot over the past couple years like you said the first thing that sticks out is just that explosiveness off the ball the quickness the first step quickness off the line really notable and you kind of have to have that as a smaller guy but i do agree with you there is a element of power to his game that you know, I think some people are kind of sleeping on in terms of his projection because he's not just kind of a technician or a finesse kind of player. Um, he can really unlock that power pretty – and he can do it quickly. That's that's the important part. So, yeah, Nancy's definitely a guy, um, like we talked about a little bit before the show, I definitely see more like three tech um, in a in an odd front. Um, he could probably play some defense tackle in an even front. I'm just – the size is obviously going to be the drawback, but I definitely think he's going to be a guy that's probably, if he declares, which we anticipate him doing, um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be a potential top 50 kind of pick, in my opinion. And considering this year, you have two top 50 picks right there. It works, right? <laughs> yeah, works. exactly. Perfect spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this weekend I had a little bit of free time. I was able to go back and watch a guy that I've really liked from afar for a, from a while for a while now, um, and that's BJ Ojolari from LSU. Obviously, his brother Aziz, first round pick for the Giants um, a couple of years ago, been banged up, but you know he was a good prospect coming out as well. He played at Georgia. Um, oddly enough, this matchup came against Georgia, the, the one that I watched in the SEC championship game. I feel like I've watched this game like three, four times now just because of how many good players are on both teams yeah. uh, from a draft perspective. But that's how it usually ends up being at the end of the cycle. Um, yeah, the tools to work with as a pass rusher, really, really intriguing, man. I I, I really like I'm, – I'm a sucker for speed rushers, and Ojalari is definitely that. Um, you know, he's a guy who, you know, rushes – 
um, a lot from a two-point stance. The thing that really stuck out against me or for me against Georgia was just the pass rush plan. You know, I knew that he was a speed rusher and kind of how he won, but I didn't really have a good grasp of understanding in terms of, you know, how unique he was in terms of setting up his moves. There was a stretch of snaps in the second quarter um, where he went, I think, long arm, uh, ghost move, two-hand swipe in a matter of like four or five plays. And this is against Broderick Jones, left tackle from Georgia, who's probably going to be, if I had to guess, a top 50 pick. Yeah. I'm a little lower, I think, on the consensus than he than uh, most people. But he was really giving him some problems. And I felt like, I don't know for sure, but it really seemed like Georgia did some things after that little stretch where he started getting some pressures and hitting Stetson Bennett a little bit that they had to kind of manipulate their game plan a little bit to get the ball out of Bennett's hands because Ojolari was in the backfield a lot. Um, and then you started seeing a lot of short passes, screens, things behind the line of scrimmage to kind of neutralize his effect. But um, Ojolari really explosive off the ball, um, good first step quickness. And I think the thing that I really, really am intrigued by, I haven't watched every edge rusher obviously yet, but one of the bendiest guys that I've seen in this class, the ability yeah. to bend through contact, that ghost move is really real. And I think that that's really intriguing. There's a very clear three, four outside linebacker edge projection to the next level. Um, you know, and I, I don't think he's a liability against the run. You know, he, he does some really nice things in terms of lateral movement, in terms of, you know, shaking blockers, getting in the backfield penetration. It is notable to me that they do move him to the weak side of the formation a lot. So he is able to kind of mask some of that stuff at the point of attack. Um, so that's going to be something that NFL teams are going to have to be comfortable with um, because he is a little bit on the smaller side. I think he's like 6'3", 245, 250, and he looks light to me. But, you know, really explosive dude. I, I'm i thinking that he's going to end up being like one of my personal favorites in the class. Um, I, I'll have a soft spot, like I said, for speed rushers, and he's a very, very intriguing one. Um, legit round one possibility, in my opinion. Yeah, um, most of my familiarity with B.J. Ojolari uh, had to do with uh, viewings I had last year when I was watching other LSU prospects, and then I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just mesmerized by this by this guy who's just dipping under these offensive tackles. It at his, and then uh, you know you learn that he's related to Aziz Ojolari, and it just it makes a lot of sense, you know, considering their 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 flexibility, and yeah, you talk about speed rushers like. You, when it comes to the best NFL edge rushers in the league, you have to have that bend. Mm-hmm. That that bend is so crucial. But not just that, the hands, the pass rush plan. I haven't dug in too deep, but what from what you said on four to five plays, just going from going from yeah. Yeah, going from the ghost. I, I'm a little lost for words right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about it's, that. No, but it's really it's intriguing when you see guys like that start to string moves together on a consistent basis because it shows that they're thoughtful in their process and they understand how to set those moves up. And I thought it was, it's really unique because you think about, um, you know, the first pressure that I saw him get in this game uh, came like early in the second quarter, I think. And he literally puts that inside arm right in Jones chest and drives him back into Bennett. And literally the very next play, he kind of comes off the ball really kind of a little bit slower and kind of faints that inside hand and dips underneath his punch. 
And I'm like, see, that that is how you set up those moves because you start getting those offensive tackles to anticipate that long arm. Um, the best, like you said, at the next level are able to do that kind of stuff. And Ojalar, he's a really intriguing prospect. If you're looking for, you know, a guy that can provide some pass rushing juice kind of out the gate, I think he's going to offer that type of ability just because he already has that versatile toolbox of moves. Um, you know, I've also seen him use spins, swims, things like that. So when guys are coming into the league that developed in terms of a pass rushing repertoire, that's 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 the type of stuff I think combined with, you know, his explosiveness, you know, the bendiness that's going to get him taken in the first round, if I had to guess. Um, who are some other guys you've been watching? Uh, one guy I definitely started to watch was uh, Raheem Jarrett. Uh, he ended up declaring today and he's going to he's going to be a wild card in this in this class because he's got some athleticism to him, can really can really run some great routes. Something that was weird in some of the games I've watched. Um, I'm curious about his production overall and why it was not as great. He runs a lot in the, he's used a lot in the slot. I've seen some instances of where he was used on the outside in different years. And he ended up having quite a bit of success of success. When I noticed is, was his placement um, whenever off his release, like with his hand usage, he would go for the elbows and that's, you know, that's huge. You want to, you want to be able to knock the elbows down because it, it makes the corner harder to recover and get their hands on you. And what I notice is guys don't get their hands clean on him. And when you, when you have that type of route runner, you know, that's, that's appealing. One of the things I noticed was he has some drops at the, at the, at the catch point. It was, there were instances like outside of his frame where like he had the right idea with his hand placement, everything. It's just, he would hit the ground. The ball wouldn't hit the ground. He would kind of like try to bring it in and he would just kind of lose it at the, at the, at the very end. And I think he needs to work kind of like on that balance a little bit more, so to speak. But there are some plays where you see him make some plays above the catch point, And a lot of guys are going to be impressed with it. It's just not as consistent as you like to see. And the production, obviously I don't, when it comes to wide receivers, production is a is not like the worst thing not to have. You see guys like Calvin Ridley back in back in the day who had Jalen Hurts at quarterback who just couldn't anticipate at the time. And it took you know, it took him you know, it took him a while to get to where he was. Rakeem Jarrett uh really can move, really can run routes, shows potential at the catch point. Got some got some chops after the catch. What I was and another one I want to bring up because um, I was watching Maryland a good bit, especially this Ohio State game. I remember watching it live. It was um, Pittsburgh's going to be in. They're going to be in the uh, market for a backup quarterback probably. I can't see them bringing back Mason Rudolph or Mitchell Trubisky. I think mm-hmm. that's very much that ship has sailed. I think a guy like Talia Tagovailoa, he shows. You know, I I think he's that type of guy that like you you put you don't have to take very early. You you can get him later in the draft because he's not going to have like the biggest arm. He's shorter. I would call him like the dollar store version of Bryce Young, basically, in terms of like how he improvises the types of throws that like he can the types of throws he's limited to, but you know like his accuracy at time at times. Big play hunters too, and 
that's something that, um, you know, people are going to look at what the 49ers did with Brock Purdy. You know, they want, they want, they, they want that, they want that uh, backup quarterback who they can just be like, Hey, you come in and you know, we can, we, we can win with you in, because we got all this talent around both on offense and defense. And, you know, if I'm, it's unsure if Talia is going to declare, he said that it would probably, his decision would probably happen after the bowl game. Most likely there was a report that he was going back, but we'll, we'll see um, yeah. when he ends up doing, but that's a guy I would watch for a backup quarterback. If he ends up declaring as well, um, him and Rakeem Jarrett, that honestly, Maryland has some pretty good receivers too, like Dante Demis. Like they, that that team was really talented. Jared, though, probably the stud, to, the star to watch. Former five star moves differently than anyone else on that team for sure. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about Tagovailoa. The Steelers love NFL bloodlines, so that's definitely you know notable. Um, and they are going to be in the market for a backup quarterback. That's that's honestly one of the things I'm excited about with this class is I feel like I'm going to get to really dive into a lot of like day three type quarterbacks because they you, we saw them take a guy like Chris Oladokun in the seventh round last year. I could easily see that being the case again this year uh, to try, even if they bring in a vet to back up Kenny Pickett. Um, I definitely foresee them drafting somebody or at least getting like a priority free agent type player at the position. So um, yeah, Jarrett's interesting to me. Um, he is uniquely built because I feel like he's really sturdy. And that's the one thing that I've came away with when I've watched him live. I haven't got the chance to study him. Um, But you talked about his after the catch ability. Those guys that are built like that can run through some arm tackles. And that's, that's one of the things I've noticed with Jared, a little bit more of a difficult guy to get on the turf uh, when he's got the ball in his hands. Um, I'm actually going to talk about another slot receiver um, that, I have been a fan of for a little while now, and that's Josh Downs from North Carolina. Downs is definitely a different type of build. You know, he's 5'10". I think he's about 175 pounds soaking wet. Um, yeah. But, man, he is – he's electric to watch. I he, I really got my first exposure to him last year. I was doing a bunch of Sam Howell tape study um, throughout the season because the Steelers were going to be in a market for a quarterback, obviously. Uh, he was the bright spot. I, I was way more impressed with him than I was with Howell. Yeah. Um, and then he came back this year and turned in another thousand yard season, even though he missed, uh, I think, two, three games early on in the, in the year due to an injury. So very interesting player to me. Um, he operates almost strictly out of the slot. I think like 80 something percent of his snaps are, have came inside, but bit of a freestyler in his routes. And what I mean by that is uh, there's a little and one mixtape to him. There's um, he does a really good job varying his tempo to get defensive backs on their heels um, he knows how to work blind spots. He's really creative in his stems. Um, sometimes it throws off the timing of the uh, quarterback a little bit with the drop, but I do appreciate like his ability and the thought process that it takes from him to, you know, consistently get open. Um, really smooth in and out of his breaks, can accelerate pretty quickly, although he doesn't really have like, I don't think an elite third year. Um, but man, he's an absolute killer on like underneath routes and option routes and stuff like that, that in that five yard, six yard range, dude, there, I don't know that I've seen him really get stopped on any of those routes over the course of, you know, really two years. Um, you know, and then he's obviously got some yards after the catch potential as well. He's electric when he gets the ball, um, in his hands and you can see why Carolina uses him as a punt returner, um, from time to time as well. So, 
those are all really good traits. But I think that the most unique thing about him that kind of sets him apart from other receivers, there's a lot of 5'10", you know, 175-ish guys in this class. The thing for me that sets him apart is his ability to track the football and win when the ball's in the air. I don't really know – you you just don't see – too many 5'10 guys do the things that he can do with the ball in the air. Um, the Duke game comes to mind. I mean, he he was dunking on guys all over the place. Um, in that game, I think he had over 100 yards. Um, and I had to look this up because it's been a theme over the past two years when I've seen him live and then a couple of the games that I was watching this week in my film study. Um, but, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, he had 18 contested catch opportunities. He's came down with 13 of those. I mean – this would be, you know, a stat you would look at for like maybe like a George Pickens, who's, you know, six yeah. three, really big uh type of receiver. This dude's five ten. And some of that um contested catch ability really shows up in the red zone. You know, he's been a legitimate weapon for them down there because he can go up and, you know, rise over defenders and catch the ball uh through contact, um, as well as, you know, create a lot of separation in those short spaces. Um, you know, UNC, they just, they love to get him inside on those like whip routes and he's just unguardable. So I think he's going to be a really big security blanket for a quarterback at the next level. And I don't know what the ceiling necessarily is. Um, maybe a little bit cloudier on that than some of the other evaluators that I follow on Twitter, but a really fun player who I think has a really easy projection to the next level as a starting slot receiver, as a rookie, um, can do a lot of things underneath as well as, you know, do some things vertically um, as a stretch the field type of guy as well. Completely agree with you. Josh Downs, uh, as uh, you, you and I both ha- had the same sentiments with watching uh, Sam Howell la- last year. He was, Josh Downs was Wasn't the a fan. Bright, yes, no, I was not a fan either. Uh, Downs was the bright spot. And what really stood out to me was his ability to track the ball. He knows when to look when to find the ball over like he will there will be a ball thrown way to his outside shoulder and then he'll like be able to come back and make that adjustment at a really awkward angle on a ball that's like barely like like it's like way out towards like his outside shoulder and then ends up adjusting back making it making the catch keeping his feet in bounds that's the stuff that i was impressed with overall with downs the concern I had, and this was going back to last year's film, I haven't really dug into him much this year um, aside from live viewings, but he had a lot of drop balls, and that was that's a that was a big thing for me was seeing a guy who has good catch technique and ability to track the ball, but he just has these random concentrations drops the way he does. That was that was that was really that was a really strange thing for me to see, honestly, with a player yeah. like like him. But like you said, explosive with with the ball in his hands can stretch you vertically. If you have to deal with a few drops every once in a while, you know you de- you know you deal with it. You know yeah. you might you don't want every player on your team to have those issues, or else you have serious serious like contrasting skill sets that don't you know you want sure. you want receivers that are different in terms of their skill sets and downs overall he can stretch vertically and give you stuff after the catch really solid player in the slot honestly 
would would be a player that I wouldn't mind seeing in Pittsburgh um, in the slot as well. Yeah, for sure. What kind of led me to watching Downs was I, I wrote about, um, you know, that slot receiver is going to be an option for the Steelers because they're getting no production out of that spot right now. Um, some of that some of that is scheme related due to Matt Canada, I think. But, you know, they just don't really have any talent inside that they're forcing some of their boundary receivers to work inside to kind of supplement that production. Um but Downs definitely is a guy. He's going to be a day two type of player um, who's probably going to get pushed up a little bit in this class, mainly just because I don't think the receiver class is that great. Um, you know, in general, it's definitely down from what it's been in the past couple of years. Um, but, you know, Downs, like I said, I think it's a pretty easy projection. I'm just a little cloudier on the actual ceiling. But he's a good player and somebody that I definitely could see, you know, the Steelers taking a chance on depending on. Uh, where at on day two he's really available um you know for them but let's get a little bit into the um college football bowl season um we're finally you know that that week without football i mean other than army navy which is you know i did watch a little bit of army navy i'm not gonna lie um army has a really uh unique prospect too that's gonna be andre carter right yes I watched him a little bit in the summer, and I know there are a lot of fans on Twitter. I haven't got the chance to watch him this year. I know his production's been a little bit down, but that's really all I've seen. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, talking about. But uh, what what bowl game you know kind of has your uh, attention this week? This week, uh, I'm probably most interested in BYU-SMU. I have had a lot of exposure to BYU the past few years, mainly from watching their quarterback, Jaron Hall. Problem I had with him last year was he has, he played inexperienced, but had, but was a much older prospect than a lot of other guys. Like 24, 25, I think, right? Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be a 25 year old rookie, which is a really major sell, you know, really major, uh, it's going to turn a lot of teams off for sure. And the thing with Hall though, he has that arm talent. He can really, he can really, he can run the ball pretty well. The problem, this dude has not proven he can stay healthy. Both years. He's, he's, he's like, he's potentially going to miss his second bowl, bowl game with an injury. And he dealt with a shoulder injury a good amount this year. Set career highs with um, his numbers, you know, passing yards, touchdowns, 31 touchdowns to six interceptions. And overall, like I've seen him a lot on film. He throws guys open a ton. He throws the anticipation outside the numbers really well. The problem is he's a shorter guy. So unless they're manufacturing a lot of middle of the field type looks, they're wide ass open you're not going to see him hit like the backside dig consistently, but I like how he moves in the pocket. I think there's definitely a good quarterback there. I'm not sure what his ceiling will end up be, but like late day two, early day three is about what I, what I project for him. Guy I'm really excited to watch is Pukunakua. I've seen him. So I've seen him a lot. His balance at the catch point really stands out. He can make the catch with a guy like right over a guy and still be able to keep running and his after the catch ability. This is going to sound a little crazy, but it reminds me of Heinz Ward, the way he can stiff arm and just, I like that. And just be, yeah, no, he he's physical after the catch, but he's got some wiggle and, 
and he you know he he's a he's more explosive than you think for a guy as fluid and as big as he is like he's like listed around like 62 205 like he's he's solidly built and i really i think he's a good route runner as well he's not he's not always going to be open i think he creates most of his separation within the intermediate and the short game where he wins vertically is just that trust, the trust factor. You see it with George Pickens sometimes when he's like, he's not open, but but he's open. But, yes, but he's open, and that's the thing with Puka Nakua. He wins those contested catches. I'm not saying he's gonna win those like George Pickens, but Puka absolutely like he plays a he plays a hard hard game, especially. And I'm I'm a huge fan of him. Another NFL prospect to like Blake Freeland is projected as like among the top tackles in this year's class. And while I haven't scouted him specifically, I have noticed whenever I've watched Darren Hall, he has the cl- some of the cleanest pockets you'll you'll ever see a quarterback have. And I think Hall navigates the pocket pretty decently, uh, considering how like how much his o-line keeps him free he doesn't give him too bad of habits but you know i never see free like the freeland end up giving up pressure and that's you know that's always a good thing you know you definitely those are the three guys i think you want to keep the most eye on rasheed rice unfortunately is opted out for the game he will not he will not be playing for smu he is considered the top senior wide receiver in this class Definitely a guy who played, he played a lot in the slot last year and he's played a good amount outside this year. And I'm very interested to go into his film further because some of the stuff I've seen with him after the catch and at the catch point is really intriguing for sure. Yeah. Just speaking from, I remember you uh, talking a lot about Hall uh, before this season. So I've watched BYU a little bit, and I know that they are sort of a offensive line factory over there. You know, they've had a lot of good players up front in the trenches. Um, but speaking of Rice, I had a kind of hot take that I came across of a week ago, and this is really just limited viewings of Rice, of what I've seen of him. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes first round. Because I think he's going to test really well, especially for that size. Because they list him, I think, at like 6'3". He's a pretty I, big dude. I think he's more around like 6'1"-ish. Is he? From what okay. I, I think he, yeah, like from what, I, from what I've looked, I think he's more like 6'1"-ish. But like he has a bigger, he has a pretty good wingspan from what I've yeah. seen. Yeah, the, the phrase that I think really fits the billing for him is ball winner. Like yeah. just the ability to dunk on guys um, at the catch point. There was a couple. I think they. I think it was against Maryland early this year, where they they threw him two balls up the seam, um, both of which he was open before the throw, and then the throw kind of led him into contact, and he still dunked on guys. Um, definitely the top senior guy that I feel like in this class, but. You know, there's a lot of slot options early in the draft, even with a guy like Kayshawn Bouti going back to LSU. You know, we've already talked about Josh Downs. We've talked about Jordan Addison on this podcast. You look at a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba. You look at Rasheed Rice. Like, if your team needs a slot receiver, I think that's probably the strength of the receiver class. I think when it stretches out to the boundary a little bit, it's where it gets a little more thin. Um, But Rice, man, 
very unique um, ability to win the ball in the air. And that's something that I love. I think it gives him, you know, the ability to stretch the field. He's somebody that, you know, I would be very surprised just in the limited viewings that I've seen of him, if he doesn't go top 50. And I really think there's a good chance he can go like sneak into the end of round one um, in a relatively weak, you know, receiver class. Um, let's see. I, there's a, you know, interesting bowl game that I want to talk about as well. Um, and that is Cincinnati Louisville, kind of a weird connection between these two teams because Louisville's head football coach, Scott Satterfield just took the Cincinnati job with Luke fickle, uh, heading elsewhere. So kind of some unique, um, you know, connections between these two programs, but one of my absolute favorite players, man, in college football this year has been Ivan Pace. I was really fortunate um, when I covered the Cincinnati Pro Day um, for all Steelers last year during that cycle. I got to watch their spring practice, uh, which was really cool and gave me some unique insight on a couple of Cincinnati prospects that I like, not just for this year, but down the line. Um, but Pace is a transfer from Miami of Ohio. He was a really productive player for them came in to join his brother, who is kind of like a safety linebacker type uh, for the Cincinnati Bearcats defense. Um, Pace is just like, he's just this downhill monster physical linebacker. And he's like a walking cliche because he's always around the ball. That's like something we always talk about with linebackers. But this dude is always around the ball. He has like 120 tackles this year. Every time you watch Cincinnati, you know, I've watched them three to four games um, at least all the way through this year in my live viewings. And he's just always in the backfield. And I, I love that. Um, the closing burst in space, um, you know, it's just it's very real. And it's it's awesome to see him kind of wreck havoc in the backfield. He offers some real intrigue, I think, as a blitzer um, where the, they used him a little bit off the edge, but especially coming through the a gap, you know, running back, stepping up and pass pro on this kid. It is it is a scary sight because he is going to straight up run through you. And, you know, I think he's up to close to 20 career sacks. Um, but kind of a wild thing that I didn't know until I was doing my notes for this podcast, but he had a six sack game as a freshman, which as an inside, I don't know if he was still playing inside linebacker at this point, but a six sack game as a freshman was absurd. So I'm going to go and like down a YouTube rabbit hole to try to find this 2019 Miami (laughs) of Ohio game where he had six sacks, but Um, there's real intrigue in terms of um, his ability as a blitzer Um, really good player I don't know what his ceiling is going to be or I'm curious on how he's going to test he's a guy who really needs to test um, reasonably well like he 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 weighs in about 235 I think 240 but he's kind of on the shorter side he's about six foot I'm not actually sure if he actually reaches that six foot threshold um, but you know, needs to test decently well. He's a Shrine Bowl guy. Um, he's actually the first as of today or yesterday, he's the first Cincinnati guy to ever be a unanimous first team all American. You yeah. think about like, you know, Cincinnati, you know, their program has been more of an upstart thing in recent years, but you know, to have that type of accomplishment is uh pretty pretty telling for a guy who was only there one year, um, and pretty pretty uh pretty special season for Ivan Pace for sure yeah you you mentioned Ivan Pace and um something I was really interested in I haven't watched him specifically but I've noticed that pro football focus they've great they've graded him very highly in what he does 
Cincinnati is a team I need to watch a little more closely, but I can add a little bit more on Louisville. Um, I'm actually really shocked that their quarterback, uh, Malik Cunningham, opted out of the Fenway Bowl. Really strange decision. He's also an older day three quarterback um, like Jaron Hall. Cunningham, probably more like your Tyler Huntley. He's very, very, you know, he, yeah, he's an athlete, basically. He's not the most accurate quarterback. And, you know, obviously you're not going to get too much consistency from him in the passing game. But if you're looking for a quarterback who can really run and you want that as a backup, you know, that's a guy definitely, you know, teams could be looking at for sure. Um, overall, like I, I don't have too much to add on these two teams. I have to, I have to watch a lot more on both of them. Before speaking I... of, speaking of Cunningham, you mentioned Jaron Hall's kind of general inability to stay healthy. Cunningham yes. is another guy that's just like that, and like that's going to be a concern for teams because when you're a run first quarterback, at which Cunningham has been at Louisville, yeah. you know he and he set some school records i mean that he's been productive when he's been on the field it's just you know there's been a lot of runs yeah there's been a lot of games where he's just not been able to finish the game due to health you know you even look at when they played kentucky a couple weeks ago he didn't start because he they didn't think he was healthy enough to go and then he comes in the game and he plays for a couple series and then he exits again so um definitely a guy i think uh cunningham has a chance to be drafted um i'm not sure if he will be but definitely a guy who's going to probably push for a practice squad um, chance or just, you know, teams like Baltimore with Hunley, they sometimes will like to match um, their backups stylistically with who their starter is. That way they don't have to change their full offensive identity if the starter gets hurt. Yeah. And if you've got a mobile quarterback and you want like a third string guy who can do some of the similar things, albeit not at um, as high of a level, I'll also give you some scout team looks, say if you're, you know, a team that has to play Baltimore once or twice a year and you want to kind of emulate Lamar Jackson, he can give you kind of a great value look um, at that. Um, just a couple other guys from Louisville that I want to talk about. Um, their defense played really well down the stretch of this season. Um, really, once they hit their stride, I mean, this was one of the better defenses, granted, it's in the ACC, but, um, you know, they've got several guys that are going to be on the draftable radar uh, Yaya Diaby, one of the coolest names in the draft, um, I think. Uh, he's a pass rusher. They move him all across the front. He plays edge. He plays a little bit on the interior. 6'4", 270 with a 6'9 wingspan. Um, plays with a really hot motor. And I, I really enjoy watching him, you know, move all around the front. I mean, they they get him advantageous matchups, but he just plays um, kind of balls to the wall, 100 miles an hour all the time. And he kind of had that breakout season for them this year. I think he was up to like nine sacks. He had a really good game that I watched live, I think, against Florida State where he had a two, three sack performance. Um, So he's a guy to watch, but probably their best player. And I don't I have seen no draft buzz really about him, but he is out of eligibility, I think, is Yasir Abdullah. He is a undersized edge rusher who's only about 6'1", 235, so you don't see a lot of those type of body types at the next level. Um, But the dude can really rush the passer. And, you know, this is a guy who's exclusively a speed rusher. I talked a little bit about Ojolari's pass rush plan and how he has, like, this detailed set of moves. Abdullah is not that but he can win the corner, and that is he can do that consistently. I mean, I think every time I was watching Louisville this year, it was 
elite first step quickness, getting off the ball, winning the corner, strip sacks, um, stuff like that. So he had some good games down the stretch against some good competition. When they played Clemson, he played fairly well. Um, when they played NC State, I think he had like three sacks in that game as well. Um, just checking out like his uh, numbers on the season, nine sacks, 54 pressures. So he's definitely a guy that, you know, I don't – he's going to have to put on a little bit of weight probably, um, but a guy that if you're looking for sleeper type of prospects in this class um, that can offer some pass rush ability – um, he's a guy that maybe you want to check out um, a little bit later as well. For sure. For sure. Don't have too much to add. Like I said, need to watch more Louisville. But from what you describe on uh, Yusir Abdullah, it sounds like he's one of those day three like pass rush specialists that you yeah. bring in for passing downs only. Yeah, and I think there's um, – when we're talking about, like, bowl games too, like not just this week but just going in the coming weeks uh, when we're going over matchups, we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on, but the bowl games are really going to be interesting for, you know, day three type prospects. And that's why, yeah. you know, both of us kind of hit on some guys that are going to go a little bit later in the draft because we're seeing so many of the top prospects opt out of the bowl games to avoid injury, kind of protect that draft stock. Whereas you're going to see a lot of these day three, you know, potential priority free agent day three type guys that are, you know, they, they really need good performances against good competition in order to boost their draft stock. This is kind of their last chance to do so uh, before the draft cycle and testing period. So um, it's a bummer because Louisville actually has one more defensive prospect, uh, Keetra Clark, uh, cornerback. He's probably going to be a nickel at the next level, but he's a pretty solid player. He has a Shrine Bowl um invite as well so he's a guy that i was kind of bummed that isn't playing um this weekend but um somebody that you know you can get familiar with as well if you're looking at corners for the class um but yeah i think we're about uh wrapped up here um once again we appreciate all the support um on the channel on the pod uh feedback's been awesome to see if you like the podcast make sure you drop a like uh be a friend tell a friend type stuff um and we will holler at you guys next week Peace. Peace.